0: I was terrified thinking about even getting my first investment property because none of my friends have done it. My parents didn't. None of that. But the secret and what I've been able to train myself to do is anytime I feel uncomfortable with a career choice or a life choice or whatever, usually that means I'm on the right track. The road to success is often counterintuitive and not obvious. That means it's not going to be obvious to you and that when you're probably on it, it's going to feel weird and awkward. Welcome to Yaro's podcast where you'll discover the stories behind world-class performers, business builders, and enlightened leaders.
1: Hello this is Yara Stark and welcome to a a fun interview I think we're going to have today because I'm really curious and that usually means we've got a great guest. So a bit of background about my guest today, it's a bit of convergence of two worlds. So if you know me, you know one of my very first, and in fact, possibly my first ever uh, mentor online is a guy named Eben Pagan, or as I first discovered him, David D'Angelo. And a few years back, quite a few years back ago now, actually, I was introduced to someone else uh, through Eben His name is James Mel. And James, initially, I wasn't sure who he was. He was sort of coming on board in Eben's team as a a CEO, as a co-founder or a partner in his companies. It was a kind of a change for Eben. And then I started seeing James all over the place. He was obviously... Big part of the, the marketing materials I started to receive from Evans' company. But then I actually met James in person at some events, found out he was also uh, Canadian. I'm, you know, as you probably know, I've got a Canadian passport, Canadian parents, currently talking to you from Vancouver. And James also lives in Vancouver. And then in one final connection, very recently, I was interested in investing in property in Canada. And James, unbeknownst to me, happens to be a guru, an expert in that space with uh, a lot of properties under his belt, something he's been doing on the side since he was uh, barely 20 years old. So there was a lot of reasons for me to be interested in inviting James onto my podcast to talk about property, online business, his connection with Evan Pagan, and of course, his entire entrepreneur's journey background. So I'd like to welcome James Mel to the podcast. Hello, James. Hey, Yaro. Thanks so much. And thanks for the introduction. I'm super excited to uh, be here with you. So did I get the summary correct? Is Is there any other highlights I'm missing from that highlight reel?
0: No, you sure did. And it's pretty awesome because I am kind of shy, introverted, behind the scenes type person. So... A lot of people, I think, have that same experience. And only now am I sort of getting out there, so to speak. And like you mentioned, I've got this course now and it's
1: been a wild journey. I'm I'm excited to dig into it with you. A little bit anxious and nervous too, maybe. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you're getting more and more used to doing uh, interviews and presentations and so on. And and you're behind the scenes of a... One of the most certainly well-known internet marketers, if you're in the internet marketing space, you probably at some point came across Evan Pagan. So I'd love to dive into that connection. But before I do that, can we just really date stamp this for another reason, with the property investing side of things, I know every time I speak to you, this number goes up. But how many, how many doors, how many properties do you have at the moment in your investment portfolio? Yeah,
0: so right now, I'm at 20 properties. I just purchased my 20th property last week, actually. We closed on it. And that brings me up to 69 doors. Wow. And I've got one other deal that's pending right now for a 16-unit apartment building, which, if that gets acquired, will, will be up to 85. So, yeah, that's been growing really fast. I'm sure we'll get into that, but it's been a wild journey and also
1: a lot of insights there. So, yeah, that's amazing. You got a little empire growing there, and probably by the time you download and listen to this podcast, James has added another twenty doors to his portfolio, or if not more. So Mm -hmm. you know, it'll be it's 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 really rapid growth. I'm very impressed. So I mean, I could probably spend this entire podcast talking to you about property, but I do want to get your entire background story. Mm -hmm. And I was actually surprised to learn that property was something that was right at the beginning, I guess, of your adulthood. It's not something you go out there talking about, uh, at least you didn't until you started this course you now have on property. So I don't think anyone would realize that. I only knew you as this guy who Eben praised as you know, a person he you know, really respected and admired inside his company, who then rose to the top into a leadership role. Another story I'd like to share, but before we do all of that, mm-hmm. let's go back in time. I know you were, you're born on the East coast of Canada and uh, it's a very cold and snowy part of the world in a in not so super large city. So what was it like growing up there? Yeah, so I, I did. I grew up in a place
0: called Nova Scotia, Halifax, Nova Scotia. It's, it's a pretty small place, 350,000 population, I think last time I checked. And it was interesting growing up there because it's all I knew and I, we didn't travel a lot when I was a child. So I didn't really know anything else. I didn't go to any bigger cities or any of this sort of stuff. And one of the things I found, it, it was amazing growing up there because we had big backyards to play around with and all that sort of stuff. However, I did find now, looking back in retrospect, that some of the thinking, some of the, I don't know, the ambitions, or sometimes stunted because it's not a big sort of metropolitan there's not a lot of movers and shakers so to speak there and i realized that that can have an impact on people and fortunately when i started my career the internet was really just taking off and that's when i got plugged in i've always been like a self-educated type person and i started studying mentors online to just educate myself and that's really What I think set things apart for me was finding these people there. Nova Scotia, a great place to live. I I loved it, you know, but I've always been this person with big ambitions and that sort of stuff. And it's just just the reality of being in a smaller city or town or whatever you want to call it. There's only so many top positions there, you know, so Mm. that's sort of what it was like growing up
1: there. Your ambitions, were they, you know, as a teenager, were you thinking entrepreneur or were you thinking career path or, or not even clear? You just knew you wanted more money or more freedom or, or whatever the case, like was there a vision at that age? Yeah, so when I, when I was really young, I mean, my parents were middle-class
0: working type parents and they wanted the best for me and all my brothers. And they always imprinted in me like, you gotta be a doctor, dentist, lawyer, you know, the highly prestigious careers. And for whatever reason, that stuff never really resonated with me. I was always attracted to business. Because I I don't know what it was. I think it was like the creativity of it. I think it was the fact that you could create your own path, your own journey, whatever. And I was always attracted to business. I'm probably a typical entrepreneur story in retrospect. I had the paper route, I had the the side business cleaning fish tanks when I was growing up. And what attracted me to business when I got into it was just, I, I just love that it was always new and exciting and there was always a new challenge. And it was, it was I always saw it as like a problem that had to be solved versus I just feared being in like a, a job, you know, even if it was a highly prestigious job, that was just the same stuff over and over and over. So I'd say that's one of the things that it attracted me to entrepreneurship. When I was just getting started, though, I actually thought that I was going to sort of climb the corporate ladder. Because that's what everybody tells you. Like you go to school, you go to college, your parents, it's like get a good job, work hard and you'll you'll work your way up and maybe get the gold watch, you know, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. And I believed that for a little bit. And I was on that path. Fortunately, I got derailed. So I didn't stay on that path. But those were my early ambitions was climbing
1: the ladder, being a CEO. So when you say you were on that path, you went to university to get a like a a business management degree and then get a corporate job after that like how far did you get along that path in halifax yep
0: Yep. so that's exactly what i did i went and i i got my my degree in marketing and i i minored in management and then what i did is i'm a big believer that you are who you surround yourself with that's just one of the things i've learned through all my studies and whatnot and so what i did is i ended up getting a job at the chamber of commerce chamber of commerce is where all the business people are centralized where they all congregate politicians entrepreneurs you know movers and shakers and so i just knew if i could get around there good things are probably going to happen you know i was going to meet the right person i was going to get the right job offer or something like that i worked there for about a year it was great however there was some troubles there because it was a non-for-profit and i was a big high achiever i was this my first job this is my first opportunity i was really trying to prove myself what actually happened is i i pushed the envelope a little bit too much and i was like actually like i guess pushing my manager to be like let's do more let's do more let's let's try this this And he wasn't really into that because it was non for profit. It was just kind of like, hey, you know, why don't we just sort of do the status quo and enjoy the golf parties and the pizza parties, you know, that type of stuff. And that's just not how I'm wired. I just I had more drive and ambition than that. And at the end of the day, it turned out that I I had to quit that job rather than get fired, you know, because that's where it was headed. And so I ended up quitting that job about a year into it. And that was the extent of my corporate experience
1: okay so you, you quit your job now i don't know when your now wife entered the picture because you guys got married reasonably young if i remember right so yeah is she in, in on the scene right now at this point with this job or not she was yeah so and it was actually so she was she was definitely
0: in the scene and this was a big deal because We right before I got this job, we made the commitment that she was going to go back to graduate school to pursue her Ph.D. in clinical psychology and going back to school as a student, you don't make any money. Right. So the idea was that I was going to get a job and provide for our family. So I was stoked when I got this chamber of commerce job because I'm like, awesome, this is great. And then I'm going to work my way up and get a probably a better job and make even more money and everything is going to be great. I we ended up having to quit that. That was a
1: huge blow to us and our family. So that was an interesting experience. So what what's your thinking then? You, you, you decide to quit. You guys have no other income source. What did you do? Yeah, good question. So I was freaked out and
0: I... What I did is it's some it's interesting because there's a lesson here where sometimes when your back's against the wall, that's when you just get the most creative, the most ambitious, and you just got to figure something out. And for me, what I did is at the time, like I mentioned, I was, I've always been somebody interested in education and doing the best to improve myself. So how I got to know Eben is when I was at the Chamber of Commerce job, I was actually searching on YouTube, like how to like business, marketing, productivity skills, all this type of thing. And I came across his course on altitude. Some of it was posted on on YouTube and I saw clips of it and just something instantly resonated with me. Just the way he communicated, the way he explained things, the way he was so future-oriented. It was almost like he could predict the future. At the time, what was also really impressive is that he had a business with 70 virtual employees. I'd never heard of anything like that. So a team, a business that was making you know, in the tens of millions of dollars with 70 people all across the world working virtually. And I was like, that's what I want to be a part of. So I invested in one of his programs and I used that while I was at the chamber of commerce. Like I used the skills that I learned there to help me in that role. And it was awesome. I got great results from it. And so when I, when I got fired, well, not, not when I got fired, when I quit, I was going to get fired. Unfortunately, I quit (laughs) save face a little bit. Right. But what I realized is I'm like, you know what, i'm going to use the skills that i learned at the chamber of commerce which were networking because that's one of the, the big skills that i learned there was how to network because i was going to all these different networking functions whatever and i i told myself i'm going to use those to get on evans team i didn't know how exactly at the time but i was going to use those to get on Eben's team i was going to do whatever it took that's and i, I had no choice right you're know, like yeah, yeah. I, I had to make it work so I can go into the story of how I how I made that happen yeah. if you want. How yeah. old were
1: you, James, then? Twenty-five years old. Okay. So yeah, you're you're an adult and you're well and truly outside of university age, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah let's keep going. I mean, just briefly though, for those who don't know, Eben Pagan, uh it's probably worth it's just a brief introduction i know from my side of the fence my introduction to Evan was through his dating advice training when i was like 20 years old uh trying to find that 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 girlfriend that you heard already found by then and, and studying his materials like crazy and loving not just his advice for uh, men in dating but the way he delivered it from a marketing standpoint i was kind of had two brains on on that education how he delivered his training and what he delivered in his training which then led me to discover that it's not David D'Angelo doing this. It's Evan Pagan, who's also a business teacher. And, and I later discovered what you went through, Altitude and, um, mm. his other business training programs, some of them anyway, uh, Wake Up Productive, of course, a very popular one. So I knew Evan. And like you said, great style of teaching is probably one of the main things that resonated with me about him. But you went to the next level saying, I want to get into his world. I never really yeah. went that far. So how did you execute on that plan? Yeah, so what I
0: what I did and at the time, uh, LinkedIn, I was familiar with LinkedIn because I used it in my job. And I went into LinkedIn to just sort of get the lay of the land, like who were at the time Evan's company was called Hot Topic Media. So I just went on to LinkedIn and to see is Hot Topic Media listed and who was affiliated with it, who worked there. And I became friends with some of the people there. I just added them as a connection and whatnot. Some accepted me, some didn't. And then I would just send those that connected with me a message and just said, Hey, you know, I noticed you work for Hot Topic Media and Evan. I'd love to just get to know you, you know, whatever. And so I did that a bunch of times. And then eventually I found the CEO at the time on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy right, the CEO, and I was a little bit nervous and whatever. But because of my experience working at the Chamber of Commerce, I was really comfortable and familiar interacting with CEOs. So it was it was awesome. And so one of the things that I did is I noticed that I saw him on there. I saw his name and I I did the Google search, whatever, and his personal blog came up and I started reading it. I started reading every every post he had for a few weeks just because I wanted to get to know him better, see what he was interested in, all that sort of stuff. And then what I started doing was commenting on just about every post. Right? <laughs> and the reason I did this and my mindset at the time was something I learned from Eben was to offer more value than you ask for in return. So I would read the post and I'm trying to come up with something smart to say or whatever. And I would just put it on the post to add value. And I'll never forget one after probably about two weeks of doing that i probably looked like a little bit of stock or whatever (laughs) because i was i was going (laughs) to say but he messaged me he emailed me and just said hey james thanks for all the comments on my blog what are you up to business wise and i was like oh my gosh this is crazy and the truth is, I was up to absolutely nothing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, what am I supposed to say? I don't know what I said. I can't remember. But fish tanks. regardless, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Fish tanks. <laughs> fish tanks. I'm trying to get my old paper route back. But so anyways, that opened the communication. And then I remember I just, again, because of what I learned at the Chamber of Commerce, I was really familiar with getting to know people. And I eventually emailed back and was just like, Hey, could we jump on a quick call for 15 to 20 minutes? I'd love to get to know you and see if there's any way I can help you or what you're up to, you know, help help it out at all. Again, because I was trying to lead with value, I was trying to offer value. And so, he ignored me the first time. I think he ignored me the second time. I tried 3 times and I remember eventually he was like, "Okay, cool. Let's sure, <laughs> let's jump on," right? And another lesson here is in persistence.
1: I can just see James after this podcast, all these people are going to start yeah, oh. commenting on your posts. <laughs> Emailing you in three or four times to try and talk to you.
0: (laughs) That's why I try and stay behind the scenes, right? It's it's like, you know, but yeah, so I, I did that and we got on the, on the phone and my, my only intention of getting on the phone was to, to truly get to know him better and see what he was up to and see what goals he had and see how I could offer even more value. And so after getting to know him a little bit, we came up with, I offered to write a blog post for his blog on networking, On what I learned working at the Chamber of Commerce for a year and so I literally spent like the whole weekend locked myself in my room I'm not even that great of a writer but I was like writing this article and triple-checked it proofread it all that sort of stuff and then sent it off and he published it which was really really cool so that happened and then about two weeks later or so I got an email from Eben on because I was on his list, his mailing list, and it said that they were looking to hire some people on his team. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is my opportunity. And so that came out. And that's when I messaged Rob. That was his name, the CEO at the time. I messaged Rob and said, hey, look, I just saw you guys are hiring for for these roles. I'd love to get a shot at it. Tell you what, I'd be willing to work for two months free. If you can just give me a shot, if it doesn't work out, you can fire me at any time, cancel it. We'll part way friends. No big deal, but can I just get a shot at this? And so he flipped my email over to the hiring manager at the time and just said, Hey, you know, see this email below from James. This is our type of guy. And I went through the whole hiring process, did the top grading, all that sort of stuff. And I made it on the team and I made it on the team as a contractor, as a sales consultant and coach. And that's where it all began. And. Again, because I was in a position where I had to succeed, I just worked day and night at it. I studied all of Evan's programs. And my goal was to just, even when I got the job, Yarrow, was add more value than I can ask for in return. And fortunately, it worked out really well. I was a, the top person that, on that team of three at the time of the new hires. And I've just grown with the company ever mm. since.
1: I'm assuming that role was somewhat commission-based, too, if it's a, a sales role, right, to, to sell Evan's courses? Yeah, it was all commission based. There was oh, a wow.
0: there was a base for a, a few months while it was getting onboarded and whatever. But yeah, it was all commission based.
1: Amazing. So you would have really got to know Evan's training in order to be able to, to sell it. So uh, and and you would have loved that because you love his courses. So it was kind of you know a well suited job for you. Now at this point, are you buddies with Evan by now, or like <laughs> had you even talked to him much, or what was the the state of your connection with Evan himself? No, not at all. I felt like I knew him because
0: I had been through like hundreds of hours of his training, right? Right. I felt I knew him, but no, he didn't know me at
1: all. We had no interaction at the time. So, which is a real testament to Eben's ability to build a virtual company that runs itself, right? Like, this is one of the things I, like you said, 70 virtual employees. I remember hearing that too, a $20 million information publishing business. And, you know, here Eben is essentially delegating everything the business runs itself so for me that was one of the amazing lessons but I guess I don't realize you know you went through top grading and all this hiring process so there was a lot of built up systems and structure despite the fact that it was a virtual company right 100% yeah definitely so did you, how did you rise? So you obviously were great at selling and obviously you, you loved this philosophy of giving more than you are sort of expected to. And I think it sounds like you found a role where you could do that. Did you find yourself replacing the CEO at Evan's company within 12 months or what happened? Yeah, right, good question. <laughs> I mean, so I,
0: when I got on the team, I was just, I knew I had arrived because I was just like, wow, here I am getting to work for somebody I look up to and admire getting to do something I love to do, which is invest in self-improvement. It, it's like, I don't even consider it like sales, uh, Yarra, because this is just what I do in my life. Like when I find something that I'm really interested in or that helped me out in my life, I tell my friends, like that's, that's what I do. And so, I just saw myself as getting to do that full time. And fortunately, I got paid to do it. So every time I worked with somebody, consulted with them or were on a call, I just shared my experience. And one of the things that really set me apart, I think, is the fact that I would go through Evan's training as even when I got on his team, I had a daily practice. I'd go through an hour of it at the beginning of every single day. And I ended up going through every single program. And he's got a ton of programs. Evan is amazing at creating content. And so I went through all those programs and then I implemented them whether it was wake up productive to learn productivity and built a morning routine and structure my time differently, whether it was self made wealth and learning about money and how to invest it and buy cash flow producing assets, whether it was digital products and launching my first digital product with two of my friends, like every single program I went through, I implemented it. And so a lot of the times when I was, when I was working with people, I shared my experience and then let them know the, the blueprint that I went through. And, I ended up just doing really well because of that. And eventually I became the top salesperson and coach. So then I was the team leader. And then my manager at the time moved up in the company as well. So then I became responsible for the sales and coaching team. So that was even more responsibility and that happened over like a three to four year period And that was another big step. And then I then I got involved in some of the marketing and and it wasn't just sales and coaching. It was more marketing and being responsible for larger promotions and strategy and team building and management. And so I started to develop these skills and just kept growing and growing
1: and growing. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Memories. huh? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so to take a step to the left a little bit, was property investing happening at this point or not?
0: So here's the really interesting thing: is that when I was working at the Chamber of Commerce, I was making thirty-two thousand Canadian dollars. And within the first year of working with evan I doubled my income. Actually, more than doubled it because my first year I made around sixty thousand dollars U.S., which in Canadian funds is like probably seventy-five or eighty. It was a lot more. And by my second year, I was at a six figures. So I, I reached that hundred k level, which was. Like the gold standard for me especially somebody living in nova scotia like mm. you, you've made it then
1: and that was commissions 100 percent, still at that time yeah. right wow you must have been a selling machine james i guess so i just loved what i did and i i was working a lot because i got so energized from it
0: i i was just i loved it and so i did that and then after going through one of his courses i've i've always the way i got into properties is there's two ways i've always been really just aware of when you start making money, I've heard all the horror stories about most people don't know what to do with it and then lose it. Whether you win the lotto and then you lose it all or whether you get a job or a raise or something like this and most people end up just blowing it. And I know I'm not like I'm a human just like everybody else and I'm going to have the same tendencies and emotions and all that sort of stuff. So I knew I had to educate myself on what to do now that I've actually got a career now that I was actually making real money like what what am I supposed to do with it. So. That's when I went through Evan's self-made wealth course. And that, that gave me my blueprint for money and taught me all, everything I know about money and how to invest it. And at the same time, my wife and I, we lived in my parents' attic out of kind of necessity. And because we needed to save up a bit of money back when we were just getting started. And then we were, we were put in a position where, you know, we had to decide, you know, moving out of there, are we going to, get our own place and buy it? Are we going to rent? Are we going to, what are we going to do? And I was fortunate enough when I worked at the chamber of commerce to meet one of my other mentors who taught me about real estate. And that was amazing because he, he was a very successful person and he had his own business. And I thought that's how he made all of his money was through his business. And yeah, he did make a lot of money. But what I came to learn is that how he built wealth, was through real estate and that's when he introduced me to real estate because I asked him how he did it and he showed me how he got started which was with duplexes which are small investment properties most people have access to or can get where you live in one side and rent out the other and so then I put the two dots together and I ended up getting a duplex my wife and I we got a duplex and that was the start of really my whole real estate journey that very first property that first investment property.
1: Now, I'm quite familiar with that duplex story because you shared it in some detail within your, your new course on property investing, um, which I went through about a, few, a couple of months ago. Yep. I remember that story because you like a similar experience I had recently. It's hard to get financing as a, a an entrepreneur and I know you had your wife studying and then you you kind of swapped places where well no I remember if I remember right you were able to get some clever loans because of her status as a student and then you left your job so you had trouble getting loans I, I don't want to dive into the whole story we can recommend people take your course but yeah. can could we, could we just talk a little bit about because I actually think and you probably agree with me based on what your course is about that first property is possibly the hardest to get because of the fear, possibly because of the the financial situation you're in. You might not think you have enough money for the deposit or it's all these unknowns. And you faced those back with the first one. Plus you were, you know, young, a young couple. You just had a career transition. You switched into a commission only job. So it's, you know, it sounds like a lot of Instability and a lot of unknowns in, in your whole life at that point, which is not the most secure foundation to go and say, hey, let's get a loan for six figures or whatever you needed to buy a, a duplex in, in Halifax at the time. So are there any highlights you can hand out or you know, any, any kind of, I guess, the main things you really personally had to get over at that point in time with that first purchase that you could pass on? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll tell you the secret in just a sec. But I agree
0: with everything you just mentioned. And there, wow, just looking back now, there was a lot of transition. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of uncertainty. And what I've come to realize, you know, that was 10 years ago. And some of that still exists today because being on the other side of it, you know, it's not like I've stopped doing any of this. And it's not like I've stopped, you know, running my business or buying income properties. And I face the same thing now. Right. Because instead of buying a duplex, now I'm buying a 16 unit apartment building. I've never done that. I've got the same stuff come up. What I think the difference is, Yero, is like I've developed, I guess you could call them coping mechanisms or strategies for how to deal with it. So I don't get in my own way. And so the secret that I've learned is that we all have, like we've all heard of our comfort zone, right? Like that's where we want to stay in and and that's probably made up of some of the beliefs we have and what are a big factor is your social circle. So who you hang out with is who you are basically going to become. And if you try and deviate from that, it's going to be extremely hard. So that's why you mentioned, you heard me mention earlier on in this podcast that I'm always trying to get around the people I want to become because then it makes whatever you're trying to do easy because that's just what you do. So on route to doing that, one of the things I've realized is that you're going to have uncomfortable feelings. I was, terrified thinking about even getting my first investment property because none of my friends have done it my parents didn't none of that but the secret and what i've been able to train myself to do is anytime i feel uncomfortable with a career choice or a life choice or whatever usually that means i'm on the right track so i've trained myself instead of seeing oh my gosh this this bad feeling i'm getting or this weird or awkward feeling i'm getting as being a bad thing let's go revert back to our comfort zone I use it as the barometer to know that I'm on the right success path. And that's because one of the quotes from Evan that I've learned is that the road to success is often counterintuitive and not obvious. So the path to success is counterintuitive, not obvious. That means it's not going to be obvious to you and that when you're probably on it, it's going to feel weird and awkward. So I've used that uncomfortableness, that fear as the sign that I'm on the right track. That's the thing. And so when I got that first investment property, I, all these things came up. Here I am signing a mortgage for the first time for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be responsible for a tenant. You know, all these things came up. What if they move out? What if they trash my place? What if they you know, whatever excuses you can know, like come up with. None of that happened. And the biggest thing, the, the biggest hurdle was literally overcoming my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own doubts, right? That's That's what it all came down to. And... Fortunately, I was able to like, just sign the documents and do it. And that's really been the first domino in a series of dominoes that I've then been, been able to knock over and allowed me
1: to build my real estate portfolio. Mm. It's interesting when you were saying you, you surrounded yourself with the people you want to become, you became the, you know, the, the captain of Evan's ship, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of like becoming Evan. And now, as you said at the start of this interview at 69 doors, I think what was your, your mentor had 60 plus, I think you talked about that. And so you've kind of become him in, in terms of that result as well. So it really, you know, demonstrates the power of that, that goal setting and that that vision. But you said there's some some milestones there. Let's see if we can do this. I've never had to kind of cover two topics at once with a guest, yeah. James, but you, you're unique in that way. Yeah. Can we take this journey forward at the, uh, and maybe you know just jump from the, the property side to the business side back and forwards, uh, mm-hmm. whatever you think is the most important points to kind of stand out from your story. So you're working... And growing and advancing within Evan's company, uh, your salary is obviously going up, and you're then using that money, I'm assuming, to continue to invest in property and, and expand that portfolio. But I know from experience, you know, you don't just keep saving up a deposit to buy the next one and the next one doesn't work that way. You kind of reach a point where you're you're kind of running out of money and you have to get more creative with your financing and things like that. So I'm really curious about how you, you know, jumped across those hurdles. Plus your wife's involved somewhere in this story, I think, too, right? So, you know, we'd love to know how, you know, how you you two as a couple were moving house and progressing and so on. So over to you. Yeah. Wow. There's it's interesting because the two are very connected, my
0: online business and that journey and the real estate business and that journey. And I think what it all comes down to, if, you know, whoever's listening can, can take away one thing from me, it's, or a couple of things, it's one, I find one of the hallmarks or just things that have allowed me to set myself apart and, and really achieve the type of success I want is the fact that I'm resourceful. And I've, I've always, like whenever I have a goal or a vision or whatever, I tend to be very resourceful. I'm looking outside of the box. I'm looking at different things I can do. I don't take things at face value. You know, that's one of the things. And then along those same lines is being creative and being able to think outside of the box and come up with unique, weird, different solutions that most other people won't think about. And you'll see that, as I share some of this stuff. So, so yeah, let's pick the story back up. So here I was now, I was in a, a leadership position within Evans company and I was making good income and I was living below my means. I've always tended to do that because I wanted to create as much income as I could to invest because I'm a big believer that if you can build a solid foundation and you can devote the time to do that then it's going to pay you dividends for the rest of your life so because i was around between 25 and 30 when i was really getting serious about this stuff i knew hey if i could do different from everybody else my age who's going and buying nice big family homes or you know taking trips or whatever if i could just discipline myself for five ten years and build a solid foundation then i'd be set and i knew it would be challenging but i i just decided to do that and so i did run into a couple roadblocks because when i started buying these properties I I realized like, wow, I'm getting these tenants to pay down my mortgage and I'm making money every single month in cash flow. And ideally, these properties are going to go up in value over the next 5, 10, 20 years too. So I'm winning three ways. It was crazy. And I was like, how can I get more? So one of the creative things I did, and obviously, you know, I'm not a financial advisor, so don't take this as financial advice or anything like that. And you want to check with a professional. But because my wife was in school, we decided to go to the bank to see if she could get a student loan because she was going to become a doctor, you know, technically on paper and whatever. We decided to just go and even though we didn't need the money to see see if she could get a loan. And I was surprised when they said yes. And so she got a pretty decent sized loan, $40,000 loan for, you know, that was to go towards your school now me being the entrepreneur i am we didn't put that to school because we were able to <laughs> pay for that i used that to go and buy another investment property and that's how one of the ways that i was able to accelerate our real estate portfolio it, that was extremely scary it's, too, because most of us yeah. are trained, you it know,
1: fires up my risk. I'm like, Oh my God, like my wife's money for starters. And <laughs> it's supposed to be for education. And like, what if I get a bad property? Like I, I it freaks me out a little, a little But You made it work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did. Yeah. One of the things though, is I tend to be on the
0: conservative side. So, you know, this was I have formulas for this stuff i have mentors like I, I triple checked everything you know and so but because i was at that stage in my career i was i was willing to take action you know i i really want to just just take action and so we did that and we did it several times because guess what the next year i wanted to buy another investment property and so i went back and said hey let's go see if another year another school year <laughs> see if we can up it and so we upped it several times you know and purchased properties through that and here's the thing. I knew it would work out because I'm a long term thinker. I didn't plan on flipping these properties for a quick buck or make some fast cash. That was never my strategy. I knew I was going to hold these and not sell them. So I knew that. I think that's when sometimes people get into trouble is when they they make instant gratification type decisions or they're trying to do, you know, magic push button technique type stuff mm-hmm. It's not my style. I don't do any of that. So I was going to hold these for a while now. The interesting thing is that, so I acquired all these properties over a five year period. And then things are really taking off with Eben and our company there. And there's a bit of a transition where Eben, it was kind of fortuitous in a, in a way that here I was and I got to know the business really well. I knew all of our products. I talked to our customers daily. I ended up having over 5,000 client conversations over a five year period. Wow. It was madness, you know? And so right around that time, Eben was starting a family with his wife, Annie. And decided to step back a bit from the business because up until then he was running it day to day and he's decided to step back from it. And it's interesting because, you know, he chose his family. And at one point we were like, what were we going to do with the, who's going to run it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I approached him because at that time I was then reporting to him directly. So I was overseeing all the marketing and I said, Hey, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we partner? And, um, we kicked around that idea for, for a few months. And then we came to an agreement where we'd start a new business together and I would fund it with my own money. Cause I was like, if I'm going for it, let's go for it. You know, I'm an all in type person. I want to have skin in the game. And that's what we agreed to. And one of the ways that I financed that was with the equity I built up from my investment properties. So right around that time, these properties that I bought five years ago were coming up for renewal. And I was able to take out some of the equity from there and boom, put it in this new company. And it was all like synergistic. It was, it was so interesting connecting all the dots because here I was like and I implemented everything I learned in Evan's self-made wealth program to get these properties, to get this equity that I was now putting into this new company we're starting together. And that was, again, another super scary decision because i was mm. kind of like going all in on this yeah, and yeah. I've, I've had to do that several times in my life as you can see like put almost everything on the line and every time i've done it though it's worked out and i haven't been afraid to do it and i think that's one of the other lessons you could probably learn from me is that i'm not afraid to take action and i just i'm not afraid of failure even mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if it wasn't working out i'd be like hey you know what i tried this was um you know but Fortunately, it did work out, and it's been going up ever since.
1: I did not know that you were the instigator of the role <laughs> you take with uh, Evan. I thought, you know, he would have looked around and came up with that because he he loves to outsource, right? So I thought yeah, it would have yeah, been, yeah, right. I'm leaving my business. I need to find a, a replacement for me. So I'm curious though, cause, and I was curious from the day that Evan announced you stepping in as his, you know, because it, it wasn't like here's my CEO. It's like here's James he's me now, kind of, you know, that's the feeling I got on some level. I was curious, how did, and especially now that I've heard you say that you were the one who brought that to Evan when he said he wants to separate a bit from the company and, you know, start a family. How do you even begin to structure something like that? Because Evan obviously had all this time spent over the previous years building up his companies. And I'm assuming you, you were talking about being this person for his business training company, not his dating company, which was, I believe, still running too, right? So do you come in, I know you said it, it's a new company you're starting as a partnership. So does that mean you bring in, uh, like you launch this new company, then the old company, all the people working for it and the products then become part of that? Like, how does it work? Exactly. As much as you're willing to share, of course.
0: Yeah, totally. And, you know, again, like I proposed the idea to Abinavel, like, hey, why don't we partner? I'm sure he was considering other options too, right? So mm. I don't want to take all the credit for that sort of but yours was the best it worked out right so um (laughs) yeah and it's it's been a great fit and partnership ever since and so how how some of that works is i mean it's interesting because people have asked me that before and one thing i've learned i don't know i don't know where i've where i learned this but i remember it from somewhere and it's that you make the rules you know so if you can think about that each of us in our own lives we make the rules so there's no like we didn't like whip out the the Google template on how to form an online business deal or anything like that. We talked about it. We had our a vision that we aligned on and came together after, you know, a couple months of back and forth. And that's how we found an agreement that worked for both of us. So it's not like a cookie cutter type agreement or whatever, or any, anything along those lines. We just talked about it openly and figured out something that would work and then got to work, so to speak. And again, in that situation, like, my back was, I, I believe one of the reasons why it worked out is like my back was against the wall. You know, it's like here I put the money in. And at the end of the day, as you know, Yaro, from having team members, employees, contractors that you got to pay, it's like you're responsible for that. And so, so that's how that worked. Now, one of the things is that we did have an existing team. So I had to treat this like a new company, though, and, and say, what could I afford? What could I not? What was going to align with our new vision? So I had to make some hard decisions in that period. But it all worked out, and I then sort of Basically, yeah, exactly one minute was now the CEO of the CEO and partner of the company and and responsible for running it. And one of the things I can share, too, is it's interesting how like all the decisions we make in our life and everything we learn, it sort of builds on top of each other. And if you can learn something from my story, I believe that a big part of the reason that I was able to be successful in that role at a relatively young age and just really stepping into it is because of my experience with the investment properties. And so a lot of the times my motivation for doing something isn't so much of like, how much can I profit? How much money can I make? It's what can I learn? How can I grow as a person? What are the skills I can develop? And that's one of the things I took with the investment properties is I knew even if this didn't work out and I had to sell them all after five years and just get out of it because I was tired of it, I was going to walk away learning something. Now, fortunately, that didn't happen. But in that whole process, what I got to learn was how to manage contractors, how to be responsible for tenants, how to do some basic accounting, because guess what? As soon as you have an investment property, changes your taxes a little bit. I started working with an accountant. These were all business skills that I was able to then take into our online business. And I was already familiar with them. I was just now playing at a bigger level.
1: Can you just for the my own curiosity when this you and Eben sat down and nodded this out what were your your two primary goals like your goal and Eben, Eben wanted to free up himself from the company yet still be a founder a co-founder which meant you wanted to become a co-founder but essentially start driving the boat like i said the captain of the ship so you would then you know, decide what products to launch and how to launch them. And I'd, I'd assume still with Eben, but he would not be part of the day-to-day operations. Is, is that kind of in a nutshell, the, the goal there? Plus you had to buy into the company, like you said, so your capital had to be involved to become a co-founder. Yeah, totally. Exactly. So
0: me being responsible for the day-to-day operations and whatnot as obviously the CEO. And then Eben moved into more of a strategic advisor, still the face of the brand, you know, at the time for sure. But much more of a strategic advisor investor, and I was
1: more of the day-to-day operations. It must have been crazy during those transition periods, but uh, very exciting for you too. It's amazing that you you know step in on this this big company. Let's just jump back into the the property investing as you sort of work towards the end of this interview because I do want to kind of put a bow tie on that story as well. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between you know, owning you know maybe a couple of duplexes, single-family home, you know you're under under ten doors, and that's your your little retirement portfolio. I think a lot of people are familiar with that because often their parents might have done that. To getting to the point where you're at, you know, you're pushing towards 100 doors. Yeah, that's huge. It's a lot of people to manage, a lot of tenants to manage, a lot of repairs to do, a lot of accounting to do. So when and do you remember? I guess the moment where you you switched over to seeing this as okay. This is not just a little experiment that. I was willing to fail at to learn. This has actually worked really well. And I'm going all in to try and, I guess, I don't know what your goal ultimately is because you can't just say, I just want to have as many doors as I can because at some point you must be thinking, this is a company as well. So, you know, when, when did that happen along this this path?
0: Yeah, so I would say, and and to circle back on one of the questions you asked me too about when Emma and I were putting together our deal and one of my motivations, believe it or not, one of my big motivations at that time was, I wanted to get Evans material out to the world. That was my number one driver because up until then you could see like it changed my life. Like I went through it. I raised my income. I was able to take that income and start my investment properties. And I just wanted to get this out to more people. And that was one of my um, biggest motivations by far. And so when I to now circle back to the real estate, so it was when I got to 16 doors, so how it works when you're investing in investment properties where where i invest anyways is that there's two types of loans you can get you can get a residential loan which is what most people do when they go and buy a house to live in or they get their first second third or fourth investment property however after a certain amount and in my case it was 16 doors like 16 tenants you then became classified as a commercial borrower because the banks just didn't want to have the risk as a residential lender or whatever. So that's when I was like, oh wow, like I've reached that threshold, crazy, you know? I never I never expected this was gonna happen. I was like, literally at the time here, I was like, okay, if I get three investment properties in 10 years, that's gonna be like set for life, you know? <laughs> like, that's what I was telling myself. And so when we got 16 doors, I was like, wow, this is serious. And that's when I made the decision to start a corporation and really take things seriously and start really thinking bigger with it. And then part of my motivation, because my wife and I are both really into autism, it's touched both our, of our lives in different ways. Part of my motivation then was, I'm gonna start a corporation and let's get it up to a hundred doors because then we're gonna have something real that is gonna be able to outlive us, that we can eventually then turn into a foundation and can support you know greater cause than us that was a big part of my motivation and that's when that was the turning point when I knew like, okay, we're going to take this somewhere.
1: Mm. So something bigger than yourselves. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so let's say your goal is 100 doors to create something that could make an impact on the world. How do you structure something like that? Because this is what I find kind of curious. If you're a property investor, most of the time, and I think this is the path you've kind of taken, it's buy something, cash flow positive, you know, do your numbers right? And then ideally, you know, you pay down a bit of the mortgage. There's possibly been some capital gain, maybe not, but whatever the case may be, you're refinancing, you're able to pull out some equity, and then you can do it again and then again. And then of course, you've got compounding along the way. So the more you own, the more equity you can start to pull out as time goes by. But that's kind of like a never ending cycle in some ways, like you could forever pull out equity and forever have loans against all these properties in order to buy the next and the next and the next. So is it ultimately a point where you go, okay, let's stop so that we can actually keep the equity in the properties, start, you know, pulling out cash flow for the foundation purposes as well, for example, is that like the plan eventually? Yeah, it's a good question. And, you know, when I teach real estate, obviously,
0: one of the things I'm, I'd be sure to let everybody know is that we're all at different stages of our lives with different goals, different financial goals, different visions. So there's not, I don't believe there's a one answer fits all. To answer your question for my personal experience, like right now, i'm in an aggressive acquisition mode because i want to get my new goal actually now the revised one is 200 doors and that's my five-year goal by the time i'm 40. so i'm 35 right now at the time of recording this podcast five years from now i want to have 200 doors and i don't know what my goal will be past then but my sort of current thinking is you know if i can aggressively acquire these doors and they're all cash flow then i don't mind holding them because I'm making money every single month from the cash flow. And over time, they're likely going to appreciate in value, although I don't need that to happen. Plus, the tenants are paying down my mortgages every month. So you can imagine when you get to 200 doors, that's going to be probably about $20 million worth of value of a real estate portfolio. And if you've got tenants paying all those down, you're going to be creating, you know, probably about $400,000 of equity every year just from the mortgage pay down, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so once I get to that period, I mean, then you just look at it, then you have a few different options. I mean, if you want to keep growing aggressively, that's no problem. Or at that point, you could probably just be like, you know what, I'm going to get into more of a mortgage pay down mode for the next 15 years, because then I want to just pay these all off. And then I'm going to have 200 tenants paying me Say on average nine hundred dollars a month, you know, times two hundred. That's that's a lot of cash flow. So right now I'm not investing in these properties for cash, like a substantial like get rich type cash flow, as much as I'm wealth creation. Later on in life, that's where you know the mortgages are paid down, whatever. That's where I expect to sort of be more of my like nest right. egg retirement. Yeah, that's how I'm looking at it.
1: I see. So at some point that four hundred in equity a year could turn into. Four hundred for the foundation, or two hundred for the foundation, two hundred for the thingy, or whatever you like. Basically, yeah. My model and current thinking on it is, you know, while I'm alive,
0: you know, I'll live from the cash flow that this business generates, and then when I'm not alive, that's where then it will go to a greater cause. Okay.
1: All right. So uh, I think we've covered your property quite well obviously there's a lot of steps in between that and a lot of detail that we could dive into but not not time for that and we'll definitely share a link at the end of this for people if they want to learn more about your your property training James um just to sort of do the same thing for your your role with Evan you're still working um at, at that company right 100% yeah we're partners and we're we're growing that business so yeah that's going really well okay do you see yourself there for uh, like you know for the short term future what is that your your vision or No, my vision is always long term, so I don't
0: I don't see any (laughs) one of the things I've and it's it's important point, especially in this day and age is, I mean, look at our society now. It's like this swipe right culture on demand. Most people don't hold a job or contract for longer than six months. It's it's crazy. And I saw that and I'm ADD as much as anybody, you know, like get distracted easily. But one of the things I think has really served me well, especially in my professional career, is picking things and then sticking with them. So if you notice my track record, there's been two things that I've bet heavily on and have not wavered from, and that's investment properties and online business and my partnership with Heaven. Mm-hmm. Those two things, like, I just go all in on those. And I'm not looking for the new thing. I'm not looking, you know, like, I, I don't want to be a stock trader, crypto trader, real estate investor, and, you know, angel investor. Like, that's not my style. My style is one thing get good at it and then over the long term and consistency and so yeah i um i think you just
1: mentioned everything i've done at some point in time yes yeah.
0: there <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with trying out different things for me i i just that's sort of the way i've approached it
1: go deep yeah. well you're bearing some obvious fruit so that's fantastic just as a last question james for the people listening to this who they're two sides i guess they're they're like man how do i get into property investing but also James has told the story about getting involved with an industry, kind of a career path that you pretty much decided to make yourself, you know, get involved with someone you really respect and admire, became part of the company, and then rose to the top to the point where you're actually a partner now in the the company that you, you know, had nothing to do with if we go back a certain number of years. So you now partially own it and you weren't the founder. That's an unusual story. Normally, Mm -hmm. co-founders are there from the beginning. They don't sort of work their way into becoming co-founders. So is there maybe one or two things you can say for people who want to follow in your footsteps? I guess it's a little bit of a general question because those two things are quite different, but the, the commonality there is James Mel, who did them both. So you know, if uh-huh. there's some people who are aspiring to one or both of those goals, are there any sort of last comments you'd like to pass on to them to help them do that?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think, and again, everybody has different goals or whatever, but I think it's really important no matter where you are or what position you're in if if you can learn one thing from me it's aim to add more value than you ask for in return it sounds so simple but not many people do it i mean i i hire a ton of people you know and i've worked with a bunch of people inside of our companies and not everybody's wired that way and if you can do that you're going to set yourself apart from everybody else and it gets noticed and that's how when your manager or or whoever it is inside of the company you work for is looking for help or looking for somebody to step on to a bigger role you want them to think of you first that's um, how that works out and then the second thing if you do want to be an entrepreneur what i would recommend is this is the path i took is go work for the type of company you want to start and learn it and treat like when you're you're basically getting paid to learn when while you're working there you know, so that, if you look at my story, that's exactly what I did. For five years, I went and worked for the company that I wanted to create, and then it—I knew all the ins and outs. And then, fortunately, I—I was, you know, in a position where we could partner. If not, you know, I would have been able to to model that on my own, if that's the direction I want to go. And that's what we're in the process of doing now. You know, I've got my own information digital product now. My wife has one too, and so we're growing and scaling in that sense. So. That's what I would recommend if you want to get ahead in your career or you want to become an entrepreneur and then I would definitely, it's not just about making money, which those two paths can can do for you, but you then need to know how to keep the money and ideally make the money grow for you, make it work for you. And that's where I would then pick some type of investment strategy and I would stick to it for several years. That's what I did with investment properties. I, I decided that's the thing I'm going to focus on and specialize in. And that's what I did. And I'm a big believer. It's crazy to me how just the way things are, a lot of us will go make money and then we'll just give it to a stockbroker or a financial advisor, you know, who gets paid commission usually to manage our money. And they have no real incentive for it to go up or down in most cases. We work so hard for it. That just made no sense to me. And that's why I wanted to learn it myself and understand it. I'm a big believer of Warren Buffett, who says, you know, invest in what you know. So I got to know real estate and that's what I invested. in. if you wanna get to know stocks, go learn them, understand it, invest in those. For me, real estate was it because people are always gonna need a place to live. That's what it came down to for me, so.
1: I think there's one other thing I can pass on from just listening to you talk is the way your attitude about each of these big risks you took, you know, the first investment property, the leaving your job to then approach and get involved with Evan Pagan's company jumping in as a partner, going from one door to 16 doors and beyond. Your attitude of, I'm going to treat this as an experiment that's not about sort of pass fail, it's guaranteed learning experience as a worst case scenario. So, you know, even if I have to sell my first duplex investment uh, at some point, just because it didn't work out, and maybe I'll break even or lose a bit of money, I'll have learned so much from that experience. And hey, maybe I'll, you know, work for Evan Pagan, but it it won't work out. I'll have learned so much from just being involved with a company. You gave yourself a really good Attitude about a worst case scenario, and I think that, to me, is probably the most important thing that allowed you to then do the big jump because you you put the frame around it. There is no real risk here because the downside is so minor compared to potential upside, and I think that that's a, a powerful reframe.
0: Yeah, although I've done what most people would consider some risky things, I never thought of it that way. Like everything I've done has has just always made sense. Like I'm, and if you look at it, it's like everything i like when i'm a, i'm not a believer in is speculation like so m- many people speculate and they'll do actual risky things but if you look at it i mean i was getting involved in an investment property i was living in one side i need to pay rent anyways you know so i knew that was a very very minimal risk same as when i partnered with Eben, i knew that business inside and out i i knew how it all worked i didn't see that as risky at all. I was mm-hmm. like, if I can't make this work, then I'm never going to be a little entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you know? So I've never really seen, um, the stuff I do is risky. I'm, I'm willing to bet on myself and bet on the things I believe in. So.
1: Fantastic. So people want to learn more about what you do, James, what's the, the websites to send people to our website? Yeah, two
0: places, Yarrow, uh, Eben Pagan training, E-B-E-N P-A-G-A-N training.com. So you can learn about all of our products there. Every single one of Evan's products I've been through, I can't recommend highly enough. And also jamesmel.com, jamesmel.com. And that's where you can learn a little
1: bit more about me and the products I'm creating. And you're probably going to hear more and more from James. I think you're kind of starting to build your own personal brand here as well to you know, not just be the guy who works with Evan Pagan, you're yeah. now James Mell. So yeah. that's fantastic to see. Congrats on all the success, James. You're certainly an inspiration to me, especially on the property side. 69 doors blows my mind a little bit, but you, you make it seem realistic, which is fantastic. I loved your course. Probably anyone who's listening to this, you'll hear more about that course in the future as well uh, as I'm getting more involved in property investment. And we might do something with, with James to, to talk a bit more about what you teach in uh, property investing. Mm-hmm. And of course, course, Evan's training had a huge impact on me too, uh, not just his training, his first ever newsletters uh, helping a young guy try and get the courage to go talk to women was very uh, motivational on that side of the fence, but his style of teaching and running a digital company Heavily influenced my own digital businesses that I, I ran forward, so I, I feel the same, I guess, sense of influence, uh, Eben. As a, a, we're we're close in age. I'm about to turn forty, so we probably had a similar, a time frame of being impacted by Eben. So it, it's fantastic. But you know, you went further, and now you're your partners with him, which is amazing. Yeah, everyone, check out James's websites, and uh, good luck, James, with everything in the future. I'll, I'll no doubt see you very soon. Thanks so much, Yarrow. I've been a person who very early on realized that email is a huge time suck. Like you probably are now, I used to deal with all my email myself. I think most people on the planet still do that. Their email inbox is something they see as their own. They have to deal with it. I learned that that inbox, my email inbox, is the biggest productivity killer time suck. Not to mention it goes completely against my goal for the laptop lifestyle. If I want the freedom to travel, to run my business anywhere, I can't be checking my email four or five six times a day worrying about you know customer complaints or new jobs coming in and that's what I used to do until about 12 years ago I hired my first ever inbox manager and that was a person who became absolutely vital to not just my business, but my life. It significantly reduced my stress. Because I think like most people, you're you're probably getting up early in the morning and handling your email then, and possibly spending one or two or even three hours. your entire morning can be wiped out. Just replying to messages doesn't move your life forward. It doesn't move your business forward. It's kind of like busy work. Or maybe you're coming home at night to the big pile of emails and you've got potential customer queries. You've got clients who are asking for things. These are important messages and you end up losing Entire evening when you'd rather be relaxing, spending time with friends or family, or even watching Netflix, you know, whatever it is you want to do. But you've got this big pile of email that you know is not going to get smaller unless you go and deal with it. You know, the next day there'll be more emails coming in, and the next day there's more emails coming in. So for me, I made sure that once I got rid of it, I never had to deal with it again. So I've had either one or two or even three people handling my inbox specialists for over 12 years now. And I'm very excited to announce, as a special sponsor of this podcast, I'd like to introduce introduced you to inboxdone.com, which is a brand new service, essentially offering what I'm talking about here, a dedicated email inbox manager that can become part of your team and really take over what is very likely the single biggest stress point time suck productivity killer in your business and your life no matter what you're doing so this person can do as much or as little as you like they can potentially just come in and come up with some systems some automatic replies some templates and they can just be there clearing your inbox sorting things for you so you don't have to deal with it yourself and you know you don't have that scattered feeling when you look at your email or email can be taken off your plate completely so your dedicated inbox manager will deal with every message that comes into your inbox and also set up some really intelligent systems for doing things that maybe you don't do right now or maybe you kind of do for example do you have some kind of process for following up with potential customers so people who show interest in buying your products or services maybe just email in a question do you have a intelligently designed process for chasing them up over a period of weeks with several emails and you know are you doing that yourself right now well imagine you've got someone who handles that it's scheduled it's part of their job to make sure that goes out in a strategic way the same goes for dealing with potential cancellations or refunds so if you have a membership site now or payment plans this person can come up with a a system for strategically handling those kind of queries to to reduce your cancellation and refund rate these are just a couple of ways you can actually increase your profits or reduce your losses with a really tailored dedicated inbox manager this is actually in fact what we have in my business uh, right now my information product business with uh, my blog and my podcast and all my teaching products. So if all of this sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to learn more about the service, go to inboxdone.com and you can find an application form there to apply to get your own dedicated inbox manager as well. Just a word of warning though, because of the personalized nature of this service, they can only take on a few clients each month because you do get your own dedicated inbox manager. So that person is specially trained and that takes time. So they have a limit to the number of people they can take on board each month. And really, it goes to the best applicant. So, do a great job applying. And obviously, if you're a great fit for the service, you will get your own dedicated inbox manager. And email could be taken completely out of your life and you'll be able to experience what I've experienced for a long time now, that sense of freedom, relaxation, the the idea that you 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 don't have to stress about this anymore. You don't have to worry about those emails sitting in your inbox. Not only that, you don't have to worry about whether you're doing a good enough job replying to those emails because you could be losing sales right now just because you're not chasing up in an intelligent way. So I encourage you to go check out inboxdone.com. I really recommend their services.
0: Thanks for listening to Yarrow's podcast. For more episodes, visit yarrow.blog and subscribe on iTunes or Google.